Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 7th, the Tampa Bay Rays 6th in 11 innings. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I told you this yesterday, and we're going to continue it tonight. We are focusing on this game. I know that what was going on down in Texas doesn't help us in the standings, so we're not going to focus on it. We're going to focus on the fact that the Guardians are playing fantastic baseball, and according to the emailers, uh, maybe the game of the season so far. Uh, It was a pretty fantastic game. It had a little bit of everything, right? I mean, some really timely hitting, even some power, some home runs from your Guardians. It had gutsy pitching performances. It had amazing defense, and it had base running. I mean, base running might be the storyline of the game in this one. So a lot to talk about here. A huge win for your Guardians, who, yeah, have won their third series in a row. Uh, Another one of our emailers will point that out. Our third series in a row now, and can go for the sweep. So let's get into the top storylines of the game. And, and we've got to talk about the, the chaos at the end of the game, everything that went down uh, in the ninth inning here, because it looks like Tampa Bay might hold on to a one-run lead. I mean, we we have a very quiet seventh inning, a very quiet eighth inning. It doesn't look like uh, we're going to get back into this thing. And then in the ninth inning, Will Brennan with a leadoff single at 102.8 miles per hour, a nice line drive single. And uh, yeah, the Guardians have a sign of life to start things off in the ninth inning against uh, Fairbanks. And, uh, you know, they pinch run uh, with Miles Straw. Uh, Gabriel Arias and uh, Bo Naylor both uh, make outs. Arias strikes out and Bo Naylor flies out. Uh, both would find ways to contribute, but not in the ninth inning here. Um, and then it's down to Oscar Gonzalez with two outs. And I'm sure in all the chaos, you forgot about, you might have forgotten about this from the ninth inning. The only reason this game survives into the ninth inning is because Oscar Gonzalez hits one off of Pete Fairbanks' foot. That's the only reason this thing goes in uh, to extra innings, that we have a chance. The whole This whole thing goes down because Oscar Gonzalez hits one weakly off of Fairbanks. It's a 56.2-mile-per-hour exit velocity. He hits one weakly off of Fairbanks' foot, and uh, it ricochets towards you know shortstop position. They, they, his only hope is to make a bare hand play on it, and he can't do that. So uh, Straw is safe at second. Oscar Gonzalez is safe at first. And that brings up Stephen Kwan. Now, we get into some weirdness here. And one of our emailers is... We actually got a lot of emails tonight. One of our emailers is going to talk about the uh, uh, the pitch clock violation thing. And I don't think it's actually a pitch clock violation on Kwan. Because he is in the box. He is in the box ready to go. They call for a pinch runner. They decide to pinch run Jose Tania with like two or three seconds left on the pitch on the clock. That seems to be the thing uh, that causes the um, that causes the pitch clock violation. I don't think it's on Quan. I think I mean, he's the batter at the plate, so he gets the strike called on him. But it seemed like pinch running Jose Tania so late in the pitch clock is what caused the violation. So, uh, so yeah, so they do get Taney in there, but Quan is penalized. 
And it just doesn't matter. I mean, if anybody, if anybody has to stand up there at the plate while the umpires get together and confer and while, you know, the managers are slow to make their decisions and then still come up with a base hit and then still be locked into the at-bat, in fact, attack the very first pitch he sees, it would be Stephen Kwan. Of course, he is the most well-balanced mentally of all the guys on the team. He trains for this. So, uh, you know, honest to God, honest to God, Francona goes to his bench so infrequently, uses pinch runners and goes to his bench so infrequently, I'm not shocked that they didn't have Jose Tenio ready to go in case Gonzalez actually got on. I'm not shocked at all that our bench uh, wasn't well-organized and wasn't ready to go there and that Quan is penalized. But comes up with an absolutely amazing single, does exactly what he should do, takes a uh, a uh, high fastball and lines it into uh, left field, and then Miles Straw, uh, the pinch runner on second base, is able to come all the way around from uh, from second and score. He challenges Ro- Randy Rosarena's arm, and he makes them. Hey, a Rosarena's throw is eh, maybe slightly up the line a little bit. Straw slides in, no problem, and ties the game in the ninth inning. It's a beautiful swing by Stephen Kwan. And I mean, this this pitch is just perfect for Kwan. This is a perfect pitch for what Kwan likes to do. A fastball up out over the plate, elevated up at the letters, something that he could just poke out into left field. This is perfect. This is a perfect pitch for him. So thank you, Fairbanks, for giving Quan that opportunity. Thank you for kicking Oscar Gonzalez's ball and, and making this all possible. Think about all the great plays we wouldn't have gotten to see, all the great moments we wouldn't have gotten if it wasn't for Fairbanks with these two things here in the ninth inning. So uh, Ramirez does have a chance to win it in the ninth inning and for some reason has a terrible at-bat. Uh, fouls off a slider. Uh, that was down below the knees, fouls off a four-seam fastball right down the middle of the plate, and then looks at a four-seam fastball that locks him up uh, inside at the thighs. I, at 90, I mean, it's a, it's a 99 mile per hour pitch, basically. But, I mean, one of the worst at-bats I've ever seen from Jose Ramirez. I, it looked like somebody broke Jose Ramirez in this at-bat. So, Fairbanks gets out of it without giving up the win. He at least gets it in extra innings for Tampa Bay. But, uh, I mean, a huge, huge moment for Quan here in the uh, ninth inning. So, we get into extra innings. And, I, again, Cleveland, their defense, they're winning at all aspects of the game right now. They're winning in all aspects, except maybe starting pitching. But, you know, we'll talk. Neither starting pitcher did a fantastic in this game. But they're winning with the timely hits. They're even showing a little power. They're winning with the bullpens. And they're winning with the defense and the base running. And the defense here in the 10th inning, I mean, Andres Jimenez makes one of the most unbelievable infield plays Without, you know, it's not a dive. It's not, usually when we say Andres Jimenez made one of the most unbelievable plays, it's because he's diving to his left or right to make an incredible catch. This is just the decision to throw home. Just the commitment in the decision to throw home. And then the missile 
he uncorks to Bo Naylor. So uh, with that runner on second, uh, Taylor Walls moves him up to third, and they pinch hit Basabe. Uh, I don't. I, did he come in earlier in the game? I think they pinched hit him here in this situation here, uh, in the ninth spot in the lineup. Who did they pinch hit him for? Um, he goes in to replace Christian Bethencourt, who had a monster three-run home run earlier in this game, but. Uh, yeah, they think that Basabe is more has a better chance of putting the ball in play. Bethencourt's more of a strikeout candidate, so they go with Basabe. He chops one minus fifty-one degree launch angle. It takes a big chop on the infield, a huge chop on the infield. And by the time Andres Jimenez comes down with the ball, I mean, remember we talked about those instincts and like. You remember I talked about when like uh, Miles Straw or Stephen Kwan or someone is like closing the gap on a fly ball, and you could you could see it. You can see he's got the angle. You could see he's got the timing. Like you you can see where that ball is going, and you know it's going to be caught, right? You know even if he has to lay out, he's got it. It it was the opposite here. I'm looking at that runner tearing down the third base line. I'm waiting and waiting for that ball to get down to Andres Jimenez, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way. There's no way he can make the out at first. In this 10th inning with that runner starting on second, you almost have to just assume that run's probably coming in to score. Get your three outs. Get out of the inning. If that run comes in to score, fine. You get your runner on second anyways in the bottom of the 10th, and you should be able to make up for it. Right? It almost is forcing us to have that attitude. But not Andres Jimenez. Andres Jimenez... I, I don't know what he would say if he if he knew he was going to get that guy out, but he committed. He com- no hesitation. He didn't look at the runner and then decide. I mean, as soon as that ball hit leather, he transferred and he threw a rocket. Again, I wish I had the Statcast data on this. I I wish I can't find it anywhere on Statcast. So if someone pulls the data on this, let me know. What I mean, what the velocity was on this missile he threw home. And Bo Naylor was close. I mean, you know, this new blocking the plate rule, they they review it and they say he wasn't blocking the plate. It was, it, it was, it was close. But I, I think, honestly, he was in a really good position in front of the plate to receive this throw. And, I mean, just set his glove where he needed it and uh, and Andres Jimenez put it in there. Put it in there. I mean, found a window. I mean, like an NFL quarterback threading the needle to his wide receiver. This is the only place Andres Jimenez could have thrown the ball and Bo Naylor get this tag down and get this runner out at home. And get, uh, uh, who was the runner who was called out? Uh, it would be Luke Rayley out at home. It, it has to be the spot. If it's a little bit higher, he slides in safe. And I think it helps that uh, Bo Naylor kind of rotated himself on the tag, kind of spun the tag down and gets his foot out of the way so they don't call blocking. Like, you know, it wasn't a major collision or anything like that. So I think that helps uh, the call go in the Guardians' favor whether or not he was blocking the plate or not. So a monster, monster defensive play. And, okay, here's where the game gets weird. Because with that defensive play, all the momentum is in Cleveland's side. Yandy Diaz grounds out to end the inning. 
Uh, Class A survives the 10th inning without giving up that run from second. And you go into the top of the 10th inning just all set up. You got Jose Ramirez on second base. He's itching to score. And then the Guardians have three of the worst at-bats you will see this entire season. So in the moment when we needed it the most, Robert Stevenson comes in for Tampa Bay and just is filthy. Filthy. A cutter for a called strike right down the middle to Cole Calhoun. Uh, A cutter inside that he fouls off. And then a splitter that he absolutely chases. Can't touch the splitter. It drops below the knees and he strikes out. Whoa. Okay, you know, I assumed the veteran was going to put the ball in play and, and give uh, at least put it in play and give Ramirez a chance to get to third, but no. So Ramon Laureano comes up, righty-on-righty matchup, not his strength. Cutter, oh, and it's a slow cutter. It's a slow cutter. This is a cutter that's like high 80s, like probably, I can tell you, I can go to his player breakdown page and I can tell you exactly what this pitch averages. Um, so he throws only the kit cutter and the splitter. Only threw one splitter? One splitter to uh, to strike out uh, Cole Calhoun. Uh, so the average exit, ex- the average velocity, not exit velocity, the average velocity on his cutter is eighty eight point eight, and today it was eighty eight. So it's a slow cutter, mixed with a eighty eight mile per hour splitter. Just seriously, how does this work for Robert Stevenson? I guess the splitter is that nasty. Um, so. Uh, going back to the matchup here, he throws Loriano three cutters in a row, getting further and further off the plate with each one. The first one is on the outside part of the plate, and he fouls it off. Then he goes off the plate, away with it, and gets him to chase it, and then goes off the plate, away and down, and below the knees, and buries a cutter out there. And he chases and he flails at that. So absolutely just awful plate discipline from Ramon Loriano here. And then Miles Straw comes up. He stares at two cutters right down the middle of the plate. Absolutely just stares at two cutters. And then chases one basically in the dirt off the plate. It's like the Guardians don't want to win this thing. And uh, absolutely three of the worst at-bats you will ever see in that bottom of that uh, 10th inning. So they come up in the top of the 11th. They get a pinch runner out there for Yandy Diaz at second base. And basically a bunch of uh, sack flies to center field and move him around. Uh, Randy Rosarena lines out to center field. It moves him up to third. Um, and then Lau hits one deep enough into center field, and he easily comes on. Brujan comes in and scores. So they do their job, and they get that run across in the top of the inning, and it puts all the pressure on the Guardians. Um, but the Guardians were ready for that pressure. The Guardians were absolutely ready for that pressure. So Chris Davinsky comes in to pitch for the Rays. And uh, Miles Straw is starting as the runner at second base. Gabriel Arias strikes out swinging uh, to start things off. So uh, Arias had a couple of chances here late and strikes out both times. Uh, it's a changeup at the knees that he swings through, a changeup at the knees that he swings through, and then a slider in the dirt. So you're thinking to yourself, after the bottom of the 10th inning, to start the bottom of the 11th this way, you're literally thinking, what the hell happened to our Guardians hitters? How are they so good 
for nine innings, and then we get to extra innings, and everything falls apart. And then Bo Naylor comes up and has one of the at-bats, uh, yeah, just a fantastic, just a pro at-bat. I was going to say one of the at-bats of the season, but, I mean, he draws a, a 10-pitch walk here. I don't know if I can call it the at-bat of the season, but uh, a, a very, very professional at-bat. And within this at-bat, Miles Straw steals third base. And this would be so key. After Arias had struck out, stealing third base is such a huge move for Miles Straw here because everything you need offensively in the bottom of the 11th inning, getting that runner over to third with less than two outs, giving him a chance to score on something on the something put in play. I, again, how many ways are there to score with a runner on third and less than two outs? There's a million of them. So the fact that he got himself over to third and got himself ready to score was just a huge gutsy play by Miles Straw. And then Bo Naylor draws the walk. So you got runners on the corner. And that brings up Jose Tena. Jose Tena, who is one of the September call-ups. Jose Tena, who uh, you know pinch ran for Oscar Gonzalez earlier in this game, in that ninth inning. And now the ball, it finds him. The moment finds him. We talk about it all the time. And he gets a first pitch changeup that kind of runs down and away. And he shoots it into right field for a single, for an RBI single. Miles Straw comes in to score. Bo Naylor goes all the way to third for a rookie. And they asked him in the postgame interview. Uh, Andre not asked him, were you looking for something off speed? Were you looking for off speed early in the count? And he said, yeah. I mean, the guy threw 10 change-ups, three sliders, one curveball, and one four-seam fastball in the entire in, in his entire relief appearance. On 15 pitches, it was one fastball. It was 10 change-ups and three sliders and a curveball. So, yeah. Yeah, Tania was looking off-speed, was being patient and ready for an off-speed pitch, and comes through with... I mean, the hit of his career probably so far. Everything he'd done in the minors pales in comparison to tying a game up in extra innings in the major leagues uh, in a playoff hunt in September. So Tana comes up absolutely huge there. And then Quan, also ready first pitch, also swings at a first pitch slider. Unfortunately, doesn't get a lot of it. 74.1 miles per hour. It was middle in. Uh, He kind of bloops it into right center field. But thank you, Jose Siri. Jose Siri calls off the right fielder. He decides he's going to take it. And Bo Naylor makes the unbelievable decision to go. Now, I, I honestly, whether it was Sarbaugh in his ear screaming, go, 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 or whether he just took off on his own, I guess we'll never know. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, I mean, Quan was thankful after the game that Bo Naylor got it done and made his at-bat meaningful, right? Gave him that walk-off RBI, gave him the celebration at first base. It's Bo Naylor's running here that does that. So, uh, yeah, Naylor takes off, and Siri absolutely makes one of the worst throws you'll ever see in your life. I Come, come to one of my old man softball games on Sunday morning, and you'll see plenty of throws like that from the outfield. I mean, he absolutely launches one. <laughs> into the netting 
you know, above the third base dugout. Not even close. And Bo Naylor easily standing, runs across home plate to win the game. So it is a fantastic game. It was an emotional ending. It was dramatic. It was fun. It was everything you want in a baseball game. It was entertainment. And this Guardians team does refuse to quit. I mean, whatever they have to do, including Oscar Gonzalez off of someone's foot to keep the game alive. Steven Kwan with two of the, you know, with some gutsy, gutsy at-bats. Yeah, everybody. Miles Straw with his base running. Uh, We are really hard on Miles Straw, but he scores two runs here to tie the game in the ninth and the 11th. And Miles Straw base running was one of the absolute keys to the game. So uh, just a beautiful day. Uh, Earlier in the day, offensively, uh, they, they actually leave a lot of guys on base. A couple of uh, infield fielders' choices uh, bring across runs in the first and second inning. I wonder how many guys they left on base today because it did feel like there were some opportunities early. They were 3 for 16 with runners in scoring position, and they left 9 on base. While we're talking about it, let's see what the Rays were. The Rays were only 1 for 5 with runners in scoring position, and they left 4 on base. So, yeah, uh, the Guardians... Uh, really had some opportunities early to really jump on the Rays. They don't quite do it. Until the fourth inning, and Gabriel Arias uh, is able to take one, uh, I believe the pitch was a fastball, um, and shoot a home run into right field off of Zach Little. Uh, It was a two-seamer, yeah. So it was a two-seam sinker, so it was a fastball, and he hits it at 103.9 miles per hour. Uh, What was the launch angle here? Uh, This is after Will Brennan had singled to set this up. Uh, Arias right behind him, 103.9, 28-degree launch angle, 388, 30 out of 30 ballparks. This thing's a home run. Uh, By the way, Bo Naylor does does double right after that, but they can't do anything with it. Um, So uh, someone tweeted out a picture. (laughs) Someone tweeted out a gif of the, if you remember the movie Mighty Ducks 2, I can't believe I'm making a Mighty Ducks 2 reference right now. It must be close to midnight. Uh, they tweeted out the the Bash Brothers, the two guys that used to go in and just hammer people on the ice. Uh, it's a fun kids movie. If you've never seen the Mighty Ducks franchise, you are missing out on some fantastic kids sports movies. Uh, but they call themselves the Bash Brothers. And that is what Gabriel Arias and Bo Naylor are turning into at the bottom of the lineup right now. In fact... Honest to God, the way things are going, let's just let Arias and Bo Naylor hit third and fourth. Because Cole Calhoun and Ramon Laureano are very hot and cold right now. Uh, So let Calhoun bat behind Bo Naylor. Why not? Honestly, why not let those guys hit third and fourth right now? They seem to be locking in. Gabriel Arias, Gabriel Arias is really locking in. I mean, he is... Yeah, it's making you question whether why he wasn't given the opportunity, frankly, from the beginning of the season to to show what he could do as the starting shortstop. I, I mean, I know the Ahmed Rosario of the whole thing hangs o- was hanging over this team for a while, but uh, I mean, the way Arias is locking in right now, and I know you can't you, you know you can't judge these things. You, you don't know what you don't know what it would have been. But over his last 15 games, over the last two weeks plus, he's hitting 296 with an 870 OPS. 
So I, I always, I always takes me a second because the the on the app, uh, when you look at the splits, the recent splits, they don't give you the OPS. So I always have to add the on base percentage and the slugging pl- percentage in my head really quickly. So that's why I always hesitate. I'm always doing a little mental math right there. So I believe that adds up to an 870 OPS. So yeah, I mean a 296 hitter with an 870 OPS. That's, I mean, that's kind of all-star level performance from Gabriel Arias at shortstop. Uh, how many home runs in that time frame? Uh, three home runs in that time frame, eight RBIs. Uh, still a ton of strikeouts, still 18 strikeouts to three walks. So strikeouts continue to be a problem. But if you are, you know, hitting the home runs and creating that kind of run production, when you are making contact, there's a lot of teams that live with hitters like that. There are a lot of teams that live with the strikeouts because they know the production is there. So, uh, so the Cleveland did jump on uh, Little early. Uh, Little, who it seems like this is his first season starting. I don't know if they consider him just a long, you know, if this is a long opener or what they consider him in Tampa Bay. But he has been starting for basically the first time in his career here with Tampa Bay, and he only lasts four and two thirds. Uh, gives up nine hits, four earned runs, a strikeout, and a home run, no walks, eighty-five pitches. He's hard hit six times. So they do jump on him. They take a nice four to one lead. I mean that that felt pretty good until Christian Bethencourt off of Logan Allen in the fifth inning, and everything Tampa Bay scores uh, through the first six innings is all via the home run. A leadoff home run to Yandy Diaz. Uh, he just puts one right down the pipe for him. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I believe it was a cutter. It was an eighty-four point eight mile per hour cutter. A little bit below the belt, but basically right down the middle for Yandy Diaz. I mean, really putting one in his nitro zone. And he hits that thing at 109.4 miles per hour out to the bleachers in left field. And then Christian Bethencourt, he throws him a fastball. It's down and in. So I actually, it's not a terrible location, but Bethencourt goes down and gets this 88.5 mile per hour forcing fastball. It's one of the slower fastballs. He throws on the day. The exit velocity is only 97.2, and it just makes it to the railings uh, in the uh, over the, the high wall in left field. Someone catches it. Someone reaches out and catches it, but it looks like it would have been a home run. I'm sure that somebody took a quick peek at it. Um, it would have been a home run in 17 out of 30 ballparks. Yandy Diaz's would have was 30 out of 30 ballparks. Um, but Bethancourt, absolutely crushes the Guardians. And we're going to talk about Logan Allen in a second here. But Bethancourt, my God, uh, this is, I'm on baseball reference, and they this is definitely not updated because the game ended about two hours ago. Um, but, and so these numbers are probably higher now. But he has by far and away his highest OPS, his highest batting average of anybody he's ever faced is against us. I mean, absolutely, in his 12th game now against us, it, it, he or ha- so in his 11 games coming into tonight, he had a one, 1.117 OPS against the Cleveland Guardians, an 11.17 OPS. The next highest is the Chicago White Sox, but he's only faced him four times, so in twice as many at-bats. Against the Chicago White Sox, he has a 9.83 OPS, um, but the batting average is 361 against Cleveland. His next closest batting average would be the Seattle Mariners at 343. 
So, I mean, absolutely. His OPS plus against us is 252, where his next highest one is against the Chicago White Sox at 200. So, yeah. I mean, just absolutely insane what Bethancourt does against Cleveland. The most home runs he has in his career is against us now with four. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to pitch to this guy. Uh, it's not a perfect game from Bethancourt. Uh, it's not like he goes four for four on the game or anything like that. He goes one for three with the home run and two strikeouts. So I, I told you he's a strikeout candidate. That's why they pinch hit for him with Basabe late in the game. Uh, so they couldn't have a strikeout in that situation with that runner on third, uh, even though it works out in Cleveland's favor. So uh, yeah, Logan Allen gets hammered here for a couple home runs. His line isn't pretty five innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, no walks, five strikeouts, but two home runs given up on 94 pitches. He's only hard hit five times. Um, but Logan Allen gives up the home run on the cutter and the fastball. Well, I thought you'd be interested to know, going over to StatCast page, and these these data, the pitch tracking data, has not been updated with today's game uh, because it's only showing me 13 home runs here, and he's given up 15 home runs now on the season. So this is not updated. But the home runs he's given up this season have only been the four-seam fastball and the cutter. The sweeper, the changeup, the occasional slider, have not given up a home run yet this season. So it's all cutter and it's all forcing, and it's mostly forcing fastball. This is his 13th of 15 home runs he's given up have been via the forcing fastball. They're slugging 500 off of that forcing fastball. They're slugging 625 off of that cutter. The batting average off that cutter is 438. I think he's got to stop throwing that cutter. I think it's time to eliminate that pitch. Um, but yeah, the fastball, he's, it's got to do better with his four seam fastball. It's got a 17, 17.6% whiff rate. Not great. We know the changeup is elite. We know the changeup is elite, but the run value on both the cutter and the four seam fastball are minus three. Whereas the sweeper and the changeup are plus two and plus four, uh, respectively. Uh, so yeah, the other thing about the four seam fastball is the location. If you look at the heat map here, it's way too much middle of the plate and up above the belt and up at the letters. And it's just, it's everything a hitter would want. A nice, slow fastball up out over the plate. It's everything a hitter would want. Until he starts locating this fastball to one of the edges, I don't care if he's throwing it to the to the arm side or the glove side. Like, pick an edge, whatever you're comfortable with. But he's got to start throwing this thing to the edges. He's got to locate that fastball better if he wants to survive as a major league pitcher. It's nice to see the strikeouts from Logan Allen. Uh, we can go over to the Illustrator and see what he gets his strikeouts with. Um, let's see here. Uh, Logan Allen's five strikeouts. It's on a, a fastball uh, away. Uh, or Sorry, to the, uh, to the arm side of the plate. I forgot. He was a lefty for a second. To Jose Siri, he gets him in the fourth inning with a fastball. A changeup to Rosie, uh, Randy Rosarena. A four-seam, he got Jose Siri twice on fastballs. One was a called strike, one was a swinging strike on that arm side of the plate, the right side of the plate from the catcher's view. He goes up with a four-seam fastball and gets Christian Bethencourt to chase up there in the third inning, and then a sweeper to a Rosarena that he swings over at the knees. So Rosarena goes down to the off-speed stuff, 
but he gets Siri and he gets Bethancourt. So three strikeouts come via fastball, and they're well-located fastballs on the edge of the plate or up above the shoulders. Those are good locations. And the one that's on the plate, uh, the four-seam fastballs, the singles he gives up, he gives up a bunch of singles on fastballs and cutters that are right down the middle of the plate. And it's for somehow, Randy Rosarena singled off a sweeper down below the knees. And uh, Harold Ramirez singled on a slider that was almost on the plate. It was so low. So uh, those are some outliers right there. Yeah, the fastballs in the middle of the plate go for hits. And the fastballs that actually hit the edges of the plates uh, are strikeouts. So it's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. You have to locate your fastball better if you're going to survive in this league. Don't forget, Logan Allen is a rookie. It's a long way to go with him. So uh, I think that's all the detail I can bring you from this game. And I want to save time because we got a ton of emails. Man, something about this game lit a fire under the emailers. And including, including I was going to at the top of the show. I was going to challenge you listeners who haven't emailed in yet to get an email in before the season ends. And uh, just as I was thinking about that, we get John from Cincinnati who emailed in, and he is a first-time emailer. So uh, thank you, John, for joining in, for lending your voice to the show. Uh, John from Cincinnati says, First off, I'm a huge fan of the show and have been listening for a few months now. My thoughts on the game, wow. This has to be game of the year, right? It had everything. Comeback, walk-off and extras, exciting plays like Jimenez had in the 10th. Good to see some late-season fight in these guards. I have two things about this game and really this team. How much longer is the clock on Oscar? When does the hourglass run out on him? I really want to see him succeed, but it's so hard to be patient with him. And Bo Naylor for Rookie of the Year, possibly? Mm? Uh, oh, and shout-out to Sarbaugh for sending Bo Naylor. Yeah, I guess I we I don't know if I have confirmation that Sarbaugh made that call or Bo went on his own. But uh, I'm sure Sarbaugh was at least involved in the conversation about whether to go or not, uh, you know, pre-pitch. He says, keep the podcast coming, John from Cincinnati. Yeah, I, some of these at-bats from Oscar Gonzalez were just brutal to watch. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull one up, and I'm going to see if I can find the one that's sticking in my mind, the one I got to really watch uh, in a lot of detail here. Uh, but he swung at some pitches that he had no business swinging at. Um, so let me see if I can find this strikeout for you here. Yeah, we're coming against Sean Armstrong to kick off the seventh inning. I remember this one in detail because I, I, I don't think it can get much worse than this. So he, uh, he gets a pitch on the inside half of the plate. And it was off the plate inside. It was way inside, but he swings at it and fobbles it off. So I can't blame him for at least swinging at an inside pitch. He'd be the only one he'd see at the at-bat. He gets a cutter at the belt, but way off the plate. I mean, a couple feet off the plate, and he swings and chases it. A terrible swing. And it looked like a pull swing, too. No hope of ever pulling this ball. A terrible swing there. Then a slider again middle away. He at least fouls this off to the right side. So he at least took an opposite field approach on this one. Then he lays off a high fastball away. Uh, to make it a one and two count, but then he goes right back to the slider down below the knees and he chases it again and flails at it again and strikes out swinging. And I mean, it's the epitome of what's wrong with Oscar Gonzalez. Zero plate discipline. 
zero understanding of the outside half of the plate. Just no, no understanding of what to do with a pitch out there. No understanding of no, no plate vision. No app. They can't see, read these pitches at all. So yeah, Oscar Gonzalez. I do. I, I he seems like a great kid. I want him to succeed. I want to see him hitting home runs. I want to see him hitting doubles again. I liked when Oscar Gonzalez was locked in, but he has to cut the plate in half. John, he has to. He has got to stop chasing those pitches off the plate. I was ready when they made these acquisitions from L.A. I was ready for Oscar to get sent down. With the September call-ups, I'm ready for Oscar to get sent down. When when Josh Naylor comes back and you need that roster spot, it has to be Oscar Gonzalez who's sent down. Don't be sending down Jose Tena. Don't send him down. We need him. He's productive. We need productive people right now. Power or no power, we need production. And guys that are going to play hard and guys that are going to have competitive at-bats. Tana with a much better at-bat. He had a plan. He executed it than Oscar Gonzalez is having. So, yeah, uh, it, it, we, re- we really cannot be giving him meaningful at-bats down the stretch here. Um, and then Bo Naylor for Rookie of the Year, yeah. I mean, it might be a little too late, but Bo Naylor is really coming on. Uh, let me check. You know, let me let me look into this, uh, John, and uh, maybe tomorrow I'll take a look at the numbers. Just see hey, when it comes to war and WRC plus, uh, where where Bo Naylor's fitting in with the rest of the rookies. I mean, hey, Tanner, we kind of want Tanner Bybee in the conversation for Rookie of the Year too. Don't forget. So uh, there might be two Guardians. Uh, you know, in the conversation, getting votes for Rookie of the Year. So thank you, John, for the email. Please continue to be part of the conversation because I like what you added to the show tonight. So uh, thank you, John. Moving over to Tony. Short and sweet emails from Tony. That's his specialty. So many heroes tonight. Andre's applying the tag in the eighth. Or the great Ramon throw. Quan hitting. Tanya's hitting. Andre's throw home and Bo's tag. Straw with some great base running. Good luck picking the MVP on the day. Yes, I left off uh, Ramon Laureano's throw in the, I believe it was in the eighth inning, right? He takes one that, I mean, normally would be an easy double off the wall in left center field. He bare hands it off the off the wall, and I mean, he, he doesn't even take a crow hop. All his weight's on his back foot. He puts as much on this throw as he can, but he doesn't even take the time to crow hop and step into the throw. He just catches it bare hand and in one motion fires to second, and it's a perfect one hopper, and uh, Andres Jimenez gets the tag down, and they tag out the uh, the runner going for that double there. So uh, absolutely uh, fantastic play in center field, fantastic throw. Uh, it was Isak Paredes in the top of the ninth. That's what it was. It was Isak Paredes in the top of the ninth inning where they get him there at second base for the first out. It was to lead off the inning. So who knows what kind of ninth inning uh, they would have had. Uh, it saves, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure De La Cruz uh, really, uh, not De La Cruz. That's the guy in Cincinnati, isn't it? De Los Santos. I'm sure De Los Santos really appreciated the play from Ramon Laureano. 
to kind of set him in a better position to start that inning. And he responds by striking out the next two hitters. So clearly, that's how you show your appreciation as a relief pitcher. So you're absolutely right, Tony. Way to shout out the defense for me. And I do have a tough decision, and it's coming up. Stay tuned. It is coming up. Um, All right. Uh, Jeff with a G. Jeff in Columbus. Davey, great win once again. Three series in a row now. Tonight, MVP choice, uh, tough MVP choice tonight. Arias with a two-run home run. Tana Kwan with big hits in the 11th. The bullpen shuts things down, including the new arms from L.A. Yes, see, there's so many things in this game. We didn't even talk about the fact that you got to see Matt Moore and uh, you got to see uh, Ronaldo Lopez. And I think I think the key to it is... I mean, it's good when we don't talk about you as a relief pitcher, right? That's kind of what you want as a relief pitcher. Unless you're Class A closing games in the ninth inning, better to go unnoticed as a relief pitcher. And they come in, and Matt Moore is actually fantastic. Goes an inning and a third, two strikeouts. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez does throw a walk, but um, gets a uh, double play. So he has a nice, uh, I believe that was the eighth inning right there. So we did get to see both the guys from L.A., uh, come into this game. Uh, Loriano with the great throw and assist put out at second. And Jimenez Naylor, amazing play to get the out at home. Lots of important contributions to choose from. I'd say Tana since he was just called up. So that's who Jeff with a G is going with for MVP on the day. Another win while scoring more than four runs. This is a good formula. Would love to finish off the sweep Sunday. Have the Guardians swept this series this season, by the way. Jeff asks, and of course, I had to look this up, and I'm shocked to tell you, morning people, the Cleveland Guardians have swept one series this entire season, the entire 2023 season, once. I mean, take a guess who the opponent was. I mean, you pretty much have two teams to guess from, right? They almost swept Kansas City before the All-Star break. No, the only sweep of the season was the Oakland Athletics. The series at home on June 20th through the 22nd. Uh, They have a walk-off win uh, in Game 1. And then beat them uh, 7-6 in Game 2. And then run away with it 6-1 in Game 3. So they have the, the only sweep of the season comes against Oakland. So, yeah, I think... I think to you know gain a little bit of respect, uh, one more sweep in this series in this season probably is called for. So uh, thank you for catching that, Jeff, and thank you for making me look that up because I was surprised. It also made me go back through the season and realize we have beat some good teams. Like we've won series over Boston and you know Toronto now, and we, there there are some series in here that if you go back and really look at it. You know, there's some impressive wins in there. We we took two out of three from Houston at home. Uh, so yeah, there there are some things in here. I know I know kind of in the middle there, I got down on us because we got beat up by Texas and Atlanta and uh, you know, kind of got our butts kicked by a few teams. But uh there are some win Houston swept us when we were in Houston, so they kind of got their revenge on us. There are some good wins in here, though. There are there are some good series wins in here um, throughout throughout this 2023 season. So there's a lot to like. So thank you, Jeff, with the G. You're right. Tough decision here coming up. Marlon jumps in, of course. We'll save Marlon for last. Marlon from Birmingham says, Hi, Davey. What a b- 
ball game. The Guardia kids are back. This is starting to feel like Major League Two, where the team finds themselves before it's too late and gets hot towards the end of the season. If that's the case, Tito is Lou Brown and Paul Dolan is Rachel Phelps. Maybe Cole Calhoun is Roger Dorn. I think I think Marlon might be referring to Major League One. Because if it's Major League Two, Lou Brown's in the hospital. I just I I think you need to go back and rewatch Major League Two. Um that was all about the team fighting with themselves and not believing in each other and uh getting full of themselves after their miraculous season the year before. Maybe he's just referring to it Major League Two because we did make the miraculous run and make it to the playoffs last year. So that would be Major League One, and this year would be Major League Two. But nobody's punched Slider in the face this whole season. So I don't know how this could be Major League Two. Um, actually, funny story about that. I, uh, I've met Slider. I've had a conversation with Slider. I know he doesn't talk to many people, but I have had a conversation with him. And he uh, said that uh, everybody used a stunt double in the big brawl scene in Major League Two, except for him. No stunt double for Slider in the big fight scene. He took that punch in the face in Major League Two. So uh, a fun story out there uh, from Slider. Uh Shout out to Jose Siri for cutting in front of Luke Rayleigh, who has a better arm and probably would have kept Bo Naylor at third. I don't know what he was thinking, but I'm glad he did it. The umps were awful tonight and should be held accountable for doing a lousy job. He goes through a lot of things with the umpire and the pitch clock and things like that. The defense and rookies were phenomenal tonight. Arias continues his excellent hitting, and he deserves all the credit in the world for making the most of his opportunity. Bo Naylor had his best overall game of his young career. He was awesome with the bat, made a nice tag at home in the 10th inning, and the hustle play by tagging on the shallow fly ball and scoring the winning run in the 11th inning was thrilling. I'm a Bo Lever. Oh, Marlon, you did it again. I've been hard on Tito this year, but I thought he made the right moves tonight. I questioned why Tana was hitting instead of Fry, but Tana was aggressive and attacked the changeup across the plate. Tito had faith in Tana, and it paid off big time. Unfortunately, I have a feeling we're going to see our favorite 8-9 tandem in the lineup tomorrow, Gallagher and Straw in the starting lineup tomorrow. I'm hoping Fry, not Gallagher, will catch tomorrow's game. Yeah, I was surprised we didn't see Fry come into this game at all as a pinch hitter, but uh, hopefully we do see him tomorrow. Uh, and ho- hopefully it is a catcher instead of Cam Gallagher. Loriano throwing out Paredes was a thing of beauty. He threw a perfect one-hopper from the warning track. Jimenez's play on the weak grounder in the 10th was sensational. While watching, I thought he should have gotten out at first, but Jimenez didn't hesitate and made a perfect throw. This is why he's the best defensive second baseman in baseball, and it's not even close. After watching Straw's horrendous at-bat in the 10th inning, I'm wondering why the front office doesn't DFA him and stash him in Columbus. I don't think he has enough service time to opt for free agency without leaving money on the table. I seriously doubt anyone would claim him, and they need to realize he has a sunk cost. I feel like Brendan is a much better option as a fourth outfielder. He doesn't have much power, but he is capable of getting hit and plays solid defense in all three outfield spots. It's telling that the Rays intentionally walked Jimenez, who despite his dreadful year at the plate, is a much more capable at-bat. With tonight's win, the Guardians are guaranteed to at least split the season series versus the Rays with a sweep tomorrow. Cleveland will have won the series four games to two. Marlin in Birmingham. Thank you, Marlon, for the email. And yeah, I mean, you you know my feelings on Straw. He he has been truly, truly difficult to watch at the plate this year. Uh, the at bat he has in the tenth uh, inning is pretty awful, 
And uh, yeah, I I would be fine honestly if Josh Naylor comes back and Straw was it's not, he's not Straw's Straw's safe through the end of this year. Um, but the front office has to step in and do something about this because they can't keep giving Terry Francona the option to play Straw. I know Terry Francona probably might not be here. Probably might not be here next year. That's the situation we're in with Francona right now, that he's making me come up with very weird ways of saying what the situation is. But yeah, they they they, they need to do something about Straw. You're right there, Marlon. Uh, but, but MVP on the day, I hate to say it, Marlon, I'm really leaning towards Miles Straw. I think his base running... His base running is was a really huge. The fact that he stole third, the fact that he stole third in the eleventh inning and got himself in position to score, I mean, was such an important part of the game. And the fact that he's able to score from uh, from second on Quan single in the left field to tie the game in the ninth inning. Like, I mean, part of me wants to give it to Quan for the hit. But then Quan also got very lucky with the sack fly in the 11th inning, and he knows it, and Bo Naylor knows it. Um, it's There's so many contributions. There's so many contributions in this game. Just going to go with my gut on this one. I'm just going to say Miles Straw is MVP on the day, specifically for his base running. I can't believe it with the strikeout. I can't believe I'm saying it, but you can't deny even if the only reason he's on second base in the 11th inning is because of the pinch runner thing, you know, the the, the crazy overtime rule that we've got here in this game, even though that's the only reason he's on base, he still had the guts to steal third in that situation down a run and, and, and pull it off and pull it off and score. So, I mean, Tana, huge, Quan, huge, the bullpen, huge. Defense from Jimenez and Naylor and Loreano huge, but I I gotta pick one guy for MVP on the day, so I'm giving it to Miles Straw. All right, that is all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on a really really fun episode of Cleveland Baseball Mornings. A long episode, but a fun episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Davy Bears. Again, the final from Cleveland. It's your Guardians walking it off seven to six and in eleven innings. You can follow me on Twitter at Davy Bears. You can email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com, just like John at Cincinnati did, and you can be part of the show. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Mm-hmm.